Guerrilla War. Your small island country is struggling against the cruel domination of an evil dictator. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. And I'm here too. All right. You gave us a little uh, scare there for a second. <laughs> I wanted people gonna... to think it was going to be another, it was going to be another, you know, Sean and Mike exclusive. Well, the interview. problem there is so many people wrote in and said that if Joe doesn't come back for this next episode, <laughs> they're canceling their subscriptions. I so. don't believe it. You should. Uh, yeah, you should believe it. And by canceling subscription, I mean uh, the completely free uh, button that you click subscribe to make sure that you get new episodes every Friday, just like this one. But I save all that, um, you know, fancy marketing talk for the end of the episode. Guys, we're talking about Guerrilla War. Before we start talking about this game, I just want to mention we're back to war games. And honestly, we have back to back war games here, too. What makes, like, war so natural for video games? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you really don't have much to talk about. <laughs> I don't think so. But what we're talking makes, about war. What makes like war, especially, you know, like, look, like, you know, it's NES, it's the NES days, right? So, like, you don't have the information of, like, well, you know, like, Call of Duty and Counter-Strike are going to be, like, huge, like, you know, million-dollar makers for those companies, and they're going to continue to release iterations upon iterations of battlefields and stuff like that. Right now, you're just, like, starting out. So what makes war be like a thing that's like, yeah, well, I'm gonna, we're going to make war video games, uh, not well, um, not more like Pac-Man. Yeah, I mean, there's usually two sides. Um, so a, a protagonist and an antagonist, depending on, you know, who you're fighting for. Uh, there are win and lose conditions. Uh, you are motivated to act in the best interest of, uh, you know, defeating the enemy. It's pretty natural, like in terms of game mechanics yeah i feel like it's like the easiest form of like a high stakes conflict i mean that the, you can the like come up practicing with. like military practices and maneuvers are literally called war games so it's yeah it's natural and so so far on the nes we, we've had quite a few uh war games here but we've also had quite a game quite a few games that have played just like guerrilla war do you guys remember stuff like um ikari warriors commando uh, games like those, of course. Yeah, loved Commando. And then like Akari Warriors Two took that weird path where it was like in space instead. But we're just <laughs> going to disregard that one. We we didn't give it a great review either. Joe, you said you loved Commando. Do you did you just love this style of video game, or was there something about Commando that was calling well, you? This is something that I I was going to get into at some point here too. But I did love Commando. I think because. It was the first, it was, I think it was our first real experience on the NES with this style of video game, and it partially brought me back to some NES things, and it also just, you know, I don't want to say impressed me, but, like, a, a little bit impressed me that it was, you know, a fun NES game in this, like, such an old retro thing. I do think that as time has gone on and we've played more of these, you know, it, it takes more to impress me with one of these games. And I'm sure if I went back to Commando, I wouldn't be as impressed either because now I see, like, other things that could be done on the on the NES that um, that might make a game more robust. So, so like, this game definitely had a higher bar, like, had to, a higher bar to meet for me than Commando. That's sort of how it goes, I think, with 
most like late comers to a genre um, that we've been interacting with in this podcast. Like the first one, all you really got to do is not be broken, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there's there's something funny about um, going back and playing those older uh, NES titles that are, are really not even that old to us, right? We're only on episode 187 here. But it's funny to think, like, after I played Guerrilla War, I was like, oh, I should go check out these older games. And uh, just loading up Akari Warriors, like, that was a trip, you know? Forget about Commando, which is even further back. But I couldn't believe the just the difference in the action component of the game. Like, how... How fast it all happens, how good it feels to be your character, how smooth the motion is. We kind of take for granted as we play through this chronologically, like it takes us a long time to go from like month to month to month. But if you ever like jump back and play some of these older games that we didn't review so kindly, it's really crazy to see uh, how quickly developers have figured out the NES from, you know, 1986 over to 1989. Yeah, this definitely feels very different and a bit more polished um, because I was not a fan of Commando or Akari Warriors, um, but I I definitely felt a little bit different about this one. Yeah, I think it like what resonates with me the most is like the smooth the smoothness of the way you move. I haven't played Commando, I mean, in a long time, but if I remember correctly, it does not move as smooth as this game. And then, then yeah, you go back... I, I mean, that's the that's the one Joe that you you know that's where the joke started of watch out for that bullet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, before we get into like the gameplay though, can we go back to like the uh, the setup for this game? Well, which version do you want to go with? Because you know we had this issue last uh, last episode too. Keep in mind these are two different developers, which always makes me think when these coincidences happen so close together that it's really Nintendo of America strategically changing and releasing these games for the Western audience. But I'm assuming that you want to talk about the original Famicom version of Guerrilla War and uh, what that one uh, had you, uh, who you were playing as, and where where it was taking place. Absolutely. Uh, and it's sort of this game's claim to fame since it I had never heard of it before now, but like whenever I have read about people talk talk about this game, this is really all it's known for. Um so it's it's Cuba, like this, you know, the the small island nation that you are uh liberating is just Cuba and you are either Che Guevara or you are a follower of Che Guevara and I, I'm just amazed that in this game you play as communist revolutionaries uh, and it even though they they didn't come out and say it like the Japanese version where I think it was actually literally named Guevara uh, yep. um, it's so obvious and I, I just think that's so funny for late 80s um, peak not peak Cold War but we're still <laughs> in the Cold War uh, it, it's it's so funny. And it's it's even better. It's it's. It, I think that this one it makes more sense that they were trying to censor it than the last game because the last game it was just you know World War Two the most good versus bad 
war you can think of. This one was definitely a bit more prudent of a decision to not tell kids you're a communist revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, Sean, you're spot on there because like this is something that you would think NBC News would have just loved to run with, but I can't find any stories about it, but like they would they would be like, you know, video games are causing violence or they're stopping kids from uh, completing their homework back then. Like those stories go all the way back to the launch of the NES. They're not just like news stories that were developed in like the last 10 years. And yet no one's talking about the fact that like our kids are being indoctrinated by a game that claims to be about a fictitious island <laughs> similar to Cuba where communists uh, win, you know, and meanwhile you're playing as them. But I think, you know, there, there there's something with this one that uh, with, with the censorship that I, d I don't think it's like, I don't know, like technically like Commando, right? You could have also put in or, um, you know, Akari Warriors, like you could put in wh what country they're from and what soldiers you are, like based on real life soldiers. And it would be controversial. It just happens to be that this one did claim that at one point and then took it out. Yeah. Uh, I think that even with Akari Warriors and Commando, it was pretty obvious that you were in a Vietnam analog, and that's sort of like the entire opposite. Like, you're an American commando fighting against uh, communist forces. Um, and, it, and I think that it was a bit more generic, uh, and because, like, Vietnam is... It's not as well-tread as World War II in terms of uh, setting for a war video game. It was common enough that it, it like it, it's not very it's not very controversial, uh, even though it may have been in the first place. Whereas like this is the only game I can think of that takes place during the Cuban Revolution. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. It's also I think like a you know if you think about it in like the context of today, people would know what this game was about for sure. But like. Everyone on the 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 audience on the NES was mostly like children. It wasn't like today where like the the main audience of like video games is like thirty plus. So like a lot of the people playing this game were probably like ten years old, and it might have gone like they might have just yeah you know it might have gone right over their head. They just bought right into like hey a country is struggling uh, against the domination of a king and like not picked up and you know like not picked up any of those references and the parents never watched it. So like maybe that's why there's no coverage or there was no, there were no, there was no outrage or, or yeah. stories about it or anything. I just want to be, I just want to go back to 1989 and be like a parent just sort of like crossing <laughs> through, like crossing uh, through the, the, the uh, living room or the family room where the kid's playing a game and just like catching a glimpse of that low, uh, low res, picture of Chica Vera that like they didn't change <laughs> like is, right. that, is that Chica Vera <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the one thing that I think would like would be the the like red the, the flag that people would notice like yeah. if they were walking by the rest of the game if you're just walking by you're not even gonna notice it but they got this one image at the at the top uh-huh one more thing before we get into the uh nooks and crannies of the game itself is that you know, because we were talking so much about Akari Warriors and Commando, you have to remember those two games. Uh, Akari Warriors was also developed by SNK, which this game was developed by, but uh, Commando was developed by Capcom. Those two games were also arcade games that were very popular and then ported to the NES. 
Guerrilla War has the same exact story. And I think the more interesting thing there is like, there was a time on this podcast where we were always like, oh, well, you know, yeah, the arcade ports are always going to be better or what, you know, like whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I put this on the essential arcade game list, but I can't put it on uh, the NES essential games list. I think here we're finally starting to see something that is a little closer to feeling like. It could have been in the arcades. Uh, I'm not saying it plays as good as the arcade version. It's, it definitely doesn't. I've checked out the arcade version, and there's just a lot of improvements all around. But we're starting to get closer to the home console experience, um, feeling like it, feeling like the what it, whatever chips are in the NES are capable of emulating the same experience. Do you guys agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like for the most part, like the this is one of the one of the few games like this so far that I don't ever really feel like I'm fighting the game itself, you know? Like, I feel like I'm trying, you know, the what's programmed to be difficult is, like, what, what hits me. But I'm never, I never feel like I'm like, well, the controls just don't respond enough, and that's why I'm dying or anything like that. In fact, I feel like I could even even dodge bullets more easily and it felt less ridiculous for some reason in this game just because of the way it feels but i feel like i could you know it was it was like everything was a little more attainable because the controls worked better let's get into the game itself here all right uh sean you mentioned you know the environment of uh cuba and stuff like that and the setting kind of being unmistakable but like you know pretend you're even just on an unnamed caribbean island how does the environment play a role in the gameplay here um uh, so i i didn't want to uh set the bar of this game of being like oh the the setting is un- unmistakable like it is just another like jungle uh fighter uh that eventually you go to a city um i guess i meant more in the broad strokes it was sort of like obvious what they were doing but got it um yeah i think that like the like at least like going into different settings if it's not just uh jungle and then going into a military base like you do go in the jungle and you do go to a military base but uh true to the guerrilla war title then you go into a city um and then i guess you go into a sewer but like the fact that they added the city uh was was definitely uh sort of unique to this game but even like the the jungle tropes themselves and stuff like that, I feel like we didn't really see it um, carried out in the way that uh, Guerrilla War does because like, you know, you can go in the water and now you're slower in the water and you have to deal with enemies, um, you know, coming in from the left and right as well. Uh, and then like everybody has the, uh, you know, the trenches and you can use the trenches too. There's obstacles in front that you can kind of blow up with grenades, but you couldn't like just shoot at them. They would block you from shooting other enemies. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more going on with the environments here. Uh, you know, even just blocking your paths and saying like, hey, if you want to do this, like you either need a tank or you need to just go around uh, because, you know, there's no other way to really like confront this group of enemies. I feel like there's a lot going on there in the environment in a way we haven't seen in uh, a lot of these action um, overhead run and gun games before. Yeah. Yeah. The the environment is not just like a backdrop. Uh, you know, as far as games that do this kind of thing, I'd, I'd put this like somewhere in the middle of like impressive but it but it's it's always nice to make sure that like it's always nice to notice that you the environment affects you in some way the trenches were a really cool touch like you mentioned and 
having some destructible stuff. I, I, I actually wish that they did a little more with that since they went in that direction in the first place, but but it was, you know, better than it just being like a mat that you run around on. Yeah, my favorite part of the destructible environments, uh, even though they weren't as uh, as widespread uh, as they would in a, in a modern game, like the fact that if you have a more powerful weapon, like the flamethrower, or I think, uh, I guess it's like a, a high fire rate rocket launcher, um, if you shoot it across a bridge, you will blow up the bridge, and you will it'll be slower to cross and uh, it has a cool visual effect. It definitely feels like you have more of an impact on the environment than uh, in past games, which is more just like a coat of jungle paint on a corridor shooter. Sean, you briefly mentioned the power-ups there for a minute, like the flamethrowers and stuff like that. I guess it might be considered just an SNK trope, but I was a little surprised to see that the power-up items are just designated by different letters uh, on the screen. Given the amount of detail that they're pouring into, like, the environment and, uh, you know, uh, all the different types of enemies <coughs> that they've littered the screen with and all the different places you go to, I just thought, like, you know, it's a little weird to just make the power-up items, like, L, F, B, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I, it was just strange. Yeah. The power-ups I- themselves, cool. Yeah, I I guess I've seen it enough times now that I don't really question it uh, between shmups and these top-down shooters. But, I mean, I think a little flame uh, in in that, uh, just a little pixelized flame, like, that's just as readable as an F. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when I first saw those, I was, I, was, I was kind of thinking, like, well, you know what, it's actually not so bad because... Because it's so abundantly clear what you're picking up, but then I I thought the same thing. I was like, when I, even if it wasn't a little flame, even if it was a flamethrower sprite that you wouldn't know what it was right away, when I see it power up that says F on it, I still don't know what it is until I pick it up and say, oh, it's a flamethrower. So I might as well just put a flamethrower there and I'll pick it up yeah. and say, oh, it's a flamethrower. F can you mean know? fast, right? Yeah. F can mean fungus. Yeah, you could have contracted a fungus, <laughs> or it could just be you know Mario like rule like F means fungus, meaning you're gonna grow like in Mario. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the enemies, for a second, uh, you know I, I mentioned they're littered over the screen. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. I think in in shmups, sometimes we wish that there were less enemies, but in other games we say you know they're too easy because there's not enough of them. Joe, where did you stand here? On and, and don't just think of stage one because I think stage one does introduce you to a lot of enemies all at once. But like just in the game as a whole, did you feel like the enemies were overwhelming or that the abundance of action was actually um, to its benefit? Well, this is actually kind of what I was alluding to earlier. I feel like a lot of other games like this, shmups and you know these like run and gun uh, type games, get really overwhelming to the point where sometimes I just feel like. You can you can just get unlucky by being just in a cluster of projectiles and enemies where like you have nowhere to move and like unless you're like superhuman with your reflexes you're probably gonna die. This felt much more. It felt still challenging to dodge things and stuff, but in a manageable way. Like I felt like if I really focused, I could be skilled enough to not get hit. Which I know that other people probably feel that way in those other games. I'm just not that skilled, so like maybe that's the um, you know that's the difference. But I felt like there was, I guess there was a um, 
easier or like a less of a barrier to entry. You can kind of pick this game up and get good at it pretty quickly so that by the time you get to the end of the game, which is not a very long game, you can feel like you, you're good at it. Whereas I feel like a lot of these other games, you might have to play for, you know, over and over again for a long time before you're like, you've gotten good enough to like really feel like you mastered it. Well, that's another point right there, uh, talking about difficulty. Uh, this game is yeah. also really weird in that you you basically, it, it's a modern game design uh, where you never lose progress. Like, you can lose lives, and then it reads out, oh, uh, this was your score, um, but it doesn't warp you back to the beginning of the game. It doesn't warp you back to the beginning of the level. It warps you to the lower part of your screen, Uh albeit without any power-ups, but you never lose progress. You can beat this game in a sitting no matter how bad you are. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be to be clear, too, what, what you're mentioning there is, in my opinion, where what I was just talking about goes too far. Yeah, And that's where I, I think they cross the line, and that ruins it for me. But but if you <laughs> ignore that part, line. if you're, like, trying to not... Yeah, they cross the line. <laughs> no, if you're trying to not die, and you're like, you can get better at it that way... That's where I'm impressed, but yeah, what what you just mentioned, I think, actually is like is like a good point in the argument against modern game design or or taking it too far and crossing well, the line. Well, Joe, they they cross the line there because this is a this is a relatively short game when you have that kind of power to you. I think in like a modern game, you know, a lot of the a lot of the game uh, changes throughout, and uh, that you know that makes it exciting and worth keeping uh, going through and solving puzzles or or leveling up your character and stuff like that. But also, like you know, you're talking about what could be a 16-hour game. You know, this is not that kind of thing. And so I think that's why they crossed the line here. Maybe you know, and they should have warped you back to the beginning of the stage or something instead yeah. of just handing you right off. I wonder if they were taking a note though from their arcade format and saying, well, you know, at the arcade. If you wanted to just resume where you were, you would just put in more quarters. You know, you just say, yeah, I want to continue. And you get like, you know, I think 20 seconds or whatever to put in more quarters and stay right where you were. And maybe they thought like, well, if you're going to spend $60 on the home version, you've earned your right to just have the unlimited continues, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think what they would have been missing there, though, is that in the in that situation in the arcade then the quarters become the consequence like that's the it's almost part of the game design at that point if you're not going to be putting in quarters you need some sort of consequence that makes you not want to die i know that you lose points but i know that we're just but they not don't matter care yeah, about yeah, yeah. in the first place yeah um and you know in thinking about modern games you know like you mentioned a second ago like how modern games have enough going on i think that also like if you think about like Uncharted, if it it does something close to this too, where like you die and you kind of end up pretty much right where you were, you might be back a couple enemies or whatever, you, or you go Naughty back to the beginning of general. the encounter. Yeah. <laughs> but but the but in Uncharted, that encounter is still challenging. Like you, yeah, yeah, you don't get punished where you have to go really far back, but you get you have to still beat that encounter. You know, you still have to do it over and over again until you until you win. Whereas this, it's like you die, you blink back in, you can just kind of keep running through, just keep dying. It literally yeah. puts you in the same spot. Enemies you are. still have so you the same amount of health. If you're the boss, yeah. yeah. Like you can literally just like almost ignore the enemies if you want and just keep dying. <laughs> like it'll take you a long time, but <laughs> you can do it. I mean, in that respect, Joe, you don't. You could just keep running forward. 
Right? You, you don't even have to attack anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to beat the bosses, but like, yeah. I think there's only certain sections where like progress is forcing you uh, to kill somebody in order to move forward. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like just keep you know just keep running along. And to be honest, that's not a terrible strategy. I don't know how everybody else plays, but in this kind of game where they give you so many enemies, I'm totally comfortable just killing what's in my way and letting everybody else just go free. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's such a. I mean, I I agree that that is probably the optimal way to finish the game, but it is so counterintuitive to me to see all this stuff and not shoot, uh, <laughs> especially when it's so low, uh, like low stakes. Because I know that I'll always be able to come back. I, I don't know. I just ended up trying to kill everyone. But did you also kill the prisoners? I mean, accidentally multiple times, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, they look kind of similar, um, but uh, I tried my best not to. But you yeah, know, in the war, yeah, no, I hear you. Damage. Yeah, there's something. There's something about the way, and maybe it is what you said. Maybe they look close enough or in color scheme or something. I found myself killing way more prisoners of war than in any ga- other, you know, rescue the prisoners <laughs> game we've played yet. I don't know what it is, but like maybe it's because there's so many enemies on screen that I'm just naturally inclined to be ready to shoot anything as it scrolls up to me. But, like, I always, you know, I'm playing mostly in, like, the mid-front of, of the game, you know, like, uh, as things are coming on. And my natural instinct was just to shoot. And I think I just, I killed a lot of people that probably shouldn't have died. <laughs> I mean, and it doesn't help that some of your power-ups, like, there's, it's impossible not to hit them if there are enemies anywhere near them. But uh, did you guys notice that, like, the the enemies in this game are kind of sneaky bastards? Like, I did you notice that they would sometimes look like they're surrendering and like stop shooting yes. stop shooting you and then they come back and just pull their gun out again? <laughs> yeah, that, I was I assumed that that's what they were doing after a while I was like are they surrendering? Are they like leaving for backup or what are they doing? Uh, Mike, how about you? <laughs> no, I yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying. Uh there there's a lot of um I don't want to say confusing behavior from the AI, but I mean, like, that is, it's all pretty cool stuff. I was trying to figure out what those guys who, like, look like they're jumping on long pogo sticks that just kind of fly in from the sides. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I was trying to figure out what that what that's supposed to be. Like, are they are they supposed to be jumping from a helicopter that we can't see or something? Yeah. Sometimes um, they even do it where it's like they're up further, they're up towards the top of the screen, which from the perspective we're playing is not up but forward but then they like detach and like fall down the screen as if suddenly like they're on a wall it definitely is but they put that little pogo stick thing on when they do that too so i don't know what it's supposed yeah. to represent it definitely is jumping because if you if you destroy a tank uh sometimes instead of everybody in the tank dying uh, one person will jump out and try and fight you on foot uh so i think that's what they're doing there uh but yeah, the whole forward also being up thing does not help with perspective. <laughs> yeah, and, and also to speak to, Sean, what you were saying about killing the hostages and stuff, I think that that, well, first of all, the reason that I accidentally killed them a lot was because I also realized that in this game you can just hold down both fire buttons so you can just be constantly throwing bombs and rapid firing, and that would end up making me the game a lot easier, but also making me kill these enemies. But I think that, like, what this game needs or when you're playing it personally is like you need to just set rules for yourself 
because the game doesn't really like encourage you or like force you into doing it. So if you like set the rule for yourself, like, hey, I want to save all the hostages or as many hostages as I can, and I want to kill the enemies without dying. Like those are all things that the game should enforce by punishing you in some way other than just points. But since it doesn't, like, I feel like if you do play it that way, this game is actually pretty fun and pretty challenging. Because, like, you have to think about things like, you were saying how, like, a lot of your your weapons will just kill everything in the area, including the hostages. Like, there were a few times when I was trying to do it this way, where I'd have to think about, like, I need to destroy this wall, but it'll kill these hostages. But if I, like, go far back enough and lob a bomb, like, close enough to the wall, it'll kill the wall and not the hostage. Like, you have to really, like strategize a little bit and i think that makes this game like that's what this game both has and is missing in in the sense that it like it's all there you can do that but like you have no reason to but like i think playing the game that way makes it more of a game (laughs) yeah i i agree like this this game is missing a lot of the higher level uh uh structure that usually uh like manifests in terms of like you know the uh your, your like main objective in a game like you're it, it's really just to go forward and kill everything but really there should be more at stake uh like what you're saying but um on a more micro level in terms of like how the game feels when you're uh aside from the fact that this definitely would be helped by um like the arcade control scheme of having a twin stick so that you can shoot in different directions that you're moving right. um between how the game feels when you're shooting or when something explodes or all those moment to moment things, they feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely back that up that I think this is a game that you can have a lot of fun in the moment. And then like, you know, if you're doing something like our show, if you think back on it, you're like, well, how, how much fun actually was that? Like I, I, I question, you know, I think you should be able to just have fun playing a game and and all that. But like how good actually was it and how much of it was just like finally a video game where you're kind of just unstoppable. And even though it's like a one hit KO, it doesn't matter. Like there's no stakes or anything like that. Like it's almost like you're playing with cheat codes in in a certain respect, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. But like I, I still think that there's some value to it. Like the combination between those really abrasive uh, sound effects for explosions and uh, uh, bullets flying like it, it almost feels like the the sound chip is malfunctioning combined with uh, the slowdown which is usually like a, a big problem for me uh, it just for some reason I don't want to call this slowdown balanced but it, it felt so right when it, when it's coupled with those sound effects and just all this mayhem and all these enemies uh, it really felt like that old school experience that I always thought was just sort of rose rose colored glasses that modern retro games tried to uh, like I always bring up uh, Luft Rousers as, as a game that does this. Um, but those experiences of just this really chunky uh, ac- this really chunky action feeling that I'm really having trouble articulating Um but moment to moment, this is finally that experience that I didn't think really existed. Well, I mean, look no further than after you defeat a boss and the screen just goes into ep- epilepsy mania. Absolutely. You know, it's, so it's like awesome. even I thought I was going to have something <laughs> happen to me when it was flashing that many times and that fast. Like it, it feels good. 
the bosses again like you know knowing that you have the unlimited continues and everything like that like whatever but like the bosses themselves are just like satisfying big enough deals to take down that like the mo like again that moment-to-moment gameplay like presentation is top notch here and you know as far as like difficulty and you know uh going back to it uh you know how how that all feels this is the first game and maybe the only game i could think of where the manual tells you about like how to do the level select and difficulty selection like cheat code if you will right inside the manual uh i've I've never seen that before but they do tell you that if you just press uh a and hold down a and b or sorry hold down start and a or b that you'll be able to choose whichever area you want to go to because they completely understand that the game has uh you know no stakes to it to begin with because you can always just pick up where you want but also you could change the level of difficulty a little bit and that's not something i did but i'd be interested to see like all right well if i if they're going to continue to give me the unlimited continues maybe i should beef up the difficulty on the game yeah you know i never uh, this is one of the rare games that i didn't read the manual so i actually didn't didn't know that um i just sort of jumped right in but maybe i'll play it again with to to see what 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 the experience is like yeah, also one of the slightly rest, less rare for me games that I also didn't read the manual, but probably should have. I just think that's funny to include, like, the level select code. Like, it, you know, it's the manual is telling you just go to the end if you want. Like, if you want, yeah. if it's your literally, you know, you're you're on your way home from Babbage's or Funko Land or wherever Babbage's. you bought video games from back then. Uh, and you're reading the manual and you're like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go right to the end of the game. Uh, this time I could safely say that you won't suffer any consequences for that, right? <laughs> Would you feel cheated in this game if you just started playing at the palace level? Uh, from from the get go, like, would that feel like you didn't get the true experience? You didn't learn what it was like to go through the jungle and the city, and you cheated your way to the palace. I don't know. I don't think anybody would agree with that. I also don't think anyone uh, would have too much fun with that. <laughs> yeah. No, sure. I- yeah, fun, sure. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, in a modern day video game, right? It's crazy that, you know, like some people will just never get to the end, right? And there's no way to get to the end unless you play the entire game, right? So Dragon Quest Eleven is like this 100-hour game, and I played like 40 hours of it, but I'll never know how it ends, and there's no like option in the menu for me to be like, go to the ending. But in a book, I can just say I'm done with this book, but I want to know how it ends, and I can just go to the last like 20 pages and read it you know right? it might not make that so much I, sense you've talked I've, about that i've heard before, this argument i've heard this argument a lot and and i don't have a fur like a really strong argument against why people shouldn't be able to do that but i am very strongly against it anyways i don't know why i just don't like the idea of that are you against like, are you against like it for video games specifically or are you saying like no don't even do that in the book well, like you you don't, I don't deserve think, to I read mean, the personally end of the book. like that, that's a person whatever like you can do whatever you want like obviously that's fine like I, I just think, yeah, you ruin the book if you're just going to read the end of the book. But um, I think with video games, it's like, it depends on the game, too. Like, like if it's like a, I I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have a good argument. <laughs> like, no, okay. like, I've got a good I, argument. You know, I think that if you if developers start putting that in their games, me personally, while I'm playing, I'll feel like, I'll always in the back of my head be like, well, yeah, like, it's cool that I did this, but like, I could have just gotten there by skipping it if i really wanted to like that bothers me that that like option exists plus i like having the like camaraderie with someone else being like oh i finally beat this hard thing it's like oh i beat that too but like now you lose that you know or i I also like the like idea of like 
hey, there are games where, like, I might not see the ending and, like, I have to, like, weight the value of, like, how badly do I want to get to the end of this game? Like, you know what I mean? So here's where I think I can I can categorically say that you're wrong, Mike. Um, so with with a book, with a movie, with a TV show, with with any form of entertainment, music, uh, it's always like an author telling you something, or showing you something, or playing music to you something. Um, whereas video games are the only major form of entertainment that are based around the idea of user agency. And I think that that is what makes skipping to the end of something counter to the, the, the reason that the art exists. Um, uh, why, why that isn't really, that's intended. Like you're supposed to like the reason the game exists is for you to experience it. Uh, and you you two actually have an effect on the game and for the game to have an effect on you directly not so much indirectly like how, oh how like oh this 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 album changed my life or like this book really spoke to me like it's actually you doing the game i appreciate the conversation that we have going here uh, i just can't help but laugh because the only reason i, I like somehow this got to this level but I just want to say that I brought this all up as a point to say that the the final level of this game <laughs> isn't really all that much different than the first level. And so therefore, like skipping around in stages doesn't really feel that consequential in a guerrilla war. Uh, I wouldn't say that I would even agree that like, you know, um, God of War uh, 2018 on PS4, right? It would be kind of stupid to just go to the end like you're they're telling you a story and the gameplay evolves and you unlock a lot of you know like a lot of things in your skill tree to become a better player and also to become a stronger Kratos right like all that makes sense in a in a modern game and you know this argument could probably apply to a lot of NES games but I'm talking specifically about Guerrilla War I just didn't feel that much of a difference level to level other than aesthetically like I just didn't notice like oh I'm in the palace like you know, it's a lot harder now. This this game's really getting to me now. I'm dying a lot more often. Like I don't know, just about the same as the beginning. I I don't know. I think each level has its own uh, different take. Like um, earlier in earlier in the game, not like it's not just a different setting. Like th- there are uh, different layouts. Like there's a mid. Uh, I forgot which level it was, but in the middle, it almost turns into more of a, a labyrinth of. Uh, of crossing this river over and over and trying to get yeah, to, uh, yeah, trying to get to uh, the hostages that are sort of tucked away in these strange nooks um, and having to deal with crossing the river over and over. And um, uh, in the the city level, uh, there's a lot more choke points, I feel. Like there's a lot of situations where the entire corridor of the city street is blocked off in a way that you sort of have to first deal with the guys on the roof and then uh, deal with the, the the people up the road. And I think that there are different layouts where each level feels different. Maybe not so much uh, harder. Um, and also, there's like a there are levels where you can get into a tank and then that idea goes away. Um, so yeah, I think each level has a different feel to it. Not so much like a. A difficulty curve to it, but I think they have a different feel. 
Yeah, I, I would say the same thing that they have, they have a different feel, but but yeah, the difficulty never ramps up much. But like, yeah, even like the sewer level feels like it, you know you're 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 always in this like in the water half the time, and then yeah. I think this might I'm, I'm not sure if this is the one you were talking about where it's like you're in the water half the time, and then you go over to the sides to to get the enemies if you if you if feel that was like above it, ground. The, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's that one too. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's there's one thing that. Uh, one level we're not talking about, which is just one random level in the middle of the game, where you're just like on like a railroad. You're like, oh yeah, like cart going like a bonus a railroad. Level. It's like an auto scroller, and and you have to like lasso hostages <laughs> from your left into your right. That was weird. But th- that's that is really I think John, you just said it. It's more like a bonus stage, right? It's like a point. Uh, yeah, there's no grower, right? Like yeah, you're just trying to like yeah. you know raise your high score and I, everything I guess like that's that. True. I appreciated I, that though. It helped break it. Yeah. It helped break up the game a little bit. When I first saw it, I, I kind of thought like, "Oh, this is gonna be one of those kind of games where they throw in these other little things once in a while, where it's like, oh, now you're doing this, now you're flying a helicopter.' But like, they never do anything like that again. So it's <laughs> just that one level. Um, I and one other little little fun note about that level is for well, I don't know if I'd call it fun, but for some reason, you know, you're you're moving, you you get this nice sense of speed, but when you turn a corner. The whole game just slows down so much. Oh like, yeah, like, like, turning a corner is like you just come to a halt, and it takes like it takes like three seconds just to like because it shows you rotating. Yeah, yeah. Would, and like at that point, if if you're gonna have that much trouble with making the game turn, just have it go straight the whole level. It's all, it's not that long of a level, anyways. Just to go back to the idea of like you know, the stages playing out a little differently, and uh, uh you know, concepts kind of disappearing between levels. I think that's just another benefit here, though, of having, especially in a short burst style arcade action game where, you know, state each particular stage might not take you more than, I don't know, what, less than five minutes to clear through. Uh, that, you know, that's just another benefit of having a level selection thing. And I think more more games should be inclined to tell you if they exist in their manuals and, and to be able to do them because, you, you know, you might just want to go back and revisit... Uh, the you know the city stage or the sewer stage you know i don't i don't think you have to i think it's a consequence of games like this where you have to start from the beginning each time that you um each time you start your game up because there is no save function right so you know you can't make multiple uh different save files and be like oh i'm gonna save here each time and make my own kind of like level select screen i think it's important that these games uh have some kind of level selection especially when they can just be short bursts of fun right i don't think anybody really back then was sitting down for you know hours at a time playing video games i think that's become a thing over time as games have gotten longer yeah i still think you should you should play the game uh along the like the level flow first and then yeah if you find a level that uh that you that you just want to play over and over because it just that it just feels that good to you then no it, it, go for it well here's the thing about that this is just maybe i'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here too but like i fully agree uh, with sean that like yeah you should play that way but that the argument that i can't come up with a good argument against is when someone says, well, yeah, that's what you think, but if somebody else paid for the game and wants to play it that way, why shouldn't they be able to? And, like, I don't have no. a great argument at that. No, I no, just no. don't think they should be able to. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally for telling people how to enjoy their <laughs> th- their products. I it, it, there's, a, there's a right way and there's a wrong way, and you're doing it wrong. 
We good. do it every yeah. week on this podcast. Yeah. We tell people that they <laughs> that they're wrong for liking Zelda too. Exactly. Well, you no, 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 no. Yeah, this you should have spent your money on something else back. This is where then. I disagree. You know, we've gotten some we've gotten some some comments about Zelda 2. It I, is, want, I want you people to know that are commenting that we should have Zelda 2 on the essential games list, that you're my people, okay? We all need to band together and we can overthrow uh, it, we can overthrow the people keeping it. It is off. the official position of this institution, the podcast Nostalgia, that Zelda 2 is not an essential game. Which is what proves the to me that the institution position. is flawed. And we will stack the courts if we have to to make sure that it stays that way. Uh, what, what, next thing I wanted to talk about while we're still talking about some form of this game is, uh, you know, we had briefly mentioned the tanks. And uh, since that is like a really um, cool and fun way to, to take an already action-heavy game and make it even more like you have all the power in the world... Uh, using the tanks, you know, they, they have like a, I think they say in on them, and uh, I don't know, my dumb brain couldn't figure I out. I couldn't like, either I just, until like Yeah, I was like, oh, all right, so I'll go in. And uh, finally, I did, and you know, thanks to the manual. And I got to say, you know, like the tanks, you know, they're usually towards the ends of the level, so it feels like they want you to have one for the boss fights. Uh, but I, you know, I just think they're great. I think they're a great addition, and they they completely uh, stole that idea from their own other game, Akari Warriors. But in Akari Warriors, the tanks are like little toys compared to the tank that you got in this game. I like in this uh, that when the tank is like low on health, it, it it sort of gives you a warning. And I thought that that was just like oh, one more hit and the tank goes away. But no, like I I think not only just if you get hit one more time, but if you just wait too long the tank will explode and you die. Like, you have to make the decision to get out of the tank. <laughs> yeah. Correct. I think one major missed opportunity there, though, which I thought was going to work, was I thought I would, because it was beeping, giving me that warning I knew it was going to explode, I thought I'd be able to leave the tank in a cluster of enemies and have that explosion kill them. Oh. And it doesn't affect, cool. it doesn't hurt the enemies, which I thought was just a real missed opportunity because that would have been so. kind of epic a couple times when uh, when it was, like, about to blow. Um, but, yeah, I will say that the tank feels like an appropriate like power boost for being in a tank without giving you like too much god status if you were to ignore the fact that you already have a god status anyways because you can't die but <laughs> you know it's like it, it's i think it's a good balance you not being able to die though actually makes sense in the context of why um the you know why the cubans would only send two people to take on an entire government you know it's like well it turns out actually they can't die so they're our best bet why, you know what? why actually, expend I anybody they, i think that they are dying and they're just constantly getting replaced by like an understudy who's just like following right behind them it's a very like another guy runs in from off screen after you die yeah it's a very unique form of warfare where you just send <laughs> one guy in at a time and hope for the best yeah well think about it if one guy takes down three Eventually, you know, the odds are in your favor over time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it. Uh, <laughs> one more thing about the tanks not, uh, you know, not killing people when they explode. Uh, that, that happens with a lot of things in this game, though, right? Like the mine, uh, not the mines, but I guess they are mines. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't, um, like if, if an enemy touches them, they don't blow up. It's like, what gives? I think that if, if you won't... shoot the mine, it should explode. Right. That's and that's yet our here we are. Position. <laughs> yeah, that's our that's our official position. We can agree Wait, on we that. We that's didn't for vote sure. for that yet, though. We didn't. 
Um, uh, you know, another thing, just to, because we're, we're just obviously spitballing at this point, just things as we can remember them. Uh, I went back and played Commando, and I was shocked to find out that you can be blocked by the palm trees from the tops of the palm trees. And that doesn't make any sense to me graphically. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. like, you know, like the top of the tree, because it's a, on a 2D sprite, that it has a collision zone with you. Well, uh, I'm just glad yeah. that, you know, the days of programming have gotten better. We've already I think established all those trees that, are laying down on the yeah, side. Yeah, we've already established that up is all also forward. <laughs> So let's move over to sequels and spinoffs, of which there are none. And with that, we can go into uh, the biggest part of the show, the reason we do the show. We vote on whether uh, Guerrilla War is an essential game on the Essential Games list. Joe, you're up first. Other than your vote for Guerrilla War, I would also like you to take an official stance on the palm tree collision zone detection. <laughs> okay, w- whether or not I like it or not, right? I whether or not, you, or whether or not you're for it or not. Okay. Um. So to start with that, I, I, I although I, I like that they that they tried to you know make these palm trees and make them you know part of the environment, give you a little more immersion. I don't like the fact that uh, that the 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 palms, which should be in the air above your head, hit you as if they're on the ground. So I'm going to vote no. I am not for that. Um, Thank you. What was the other thing I'm supposed to vote for? Oh, uh, uh, essential it's games. Guerrilla War es- is yeah. It's essential games. Game. That's right. Um, so I think that uh, I think that this, like I said earlier, this game had a little bit of a higher bar for me because we've played things like this. I think it did a great job in a lot of aspects, but uh, the things that like. That it did well, which you know I mentioned earlier that you know it it gives me this feeling that it's like a little more attainable to to be able to dodge things and to be able to be good at this game is completely negated by the fact that it doesn't matter if you're good at this game. You know, I mean, you it doesn't matter if I can dodge bullets because getting hit by bullets doesn't do anything. You know, fundamentally. Now I know I realize that we have completely ignored the fact that some people do like to play for high scores, and that does make a difference if you're playing for the high score. That's almost like what I was talking about earlier, where that makes you want to save all the hostages and not accidentally kill anyone and and kill you know as many of the enemies as you can. Um, so like maybe the game is better for people like that, but I, but I do think that just overall, it's just it's the its major flaw being that there's no consequences is just too big for me. To, to consider putting it on the essential games list. So I'm going to say no. Sean, your vote. You, you know, I I know that the, this game has some problems in terms of uh, its balance and uh, specifically the whole uh, you never lose progress thing. Um, but in terms of the top-down shooter, this is the most fun I've ever had playing one. And... Uh, I didn't think that I ever would have fun playing them, especially with like the the natural handicap of the NES of always shooting straight forward or, or straight wherever direction you're walking in. Um, it 
it just feels too good to play, and I, I feel like I'll be the only vote for it, but I have to put it there for posterity. Um, I would vote Guerrilla War uh, to be placed on the essential games list. And and with that, uh, Mike, in addition to your vote for the essential games list, I would also like your vote as to whether uh, the current Cuban regime is legitimate. <laughs> Thank you very much uh, for that, because now you've given me um, two tough decisions to make. One, I have to make a stance about a uh, third, uh, a uh, you know, a foreign government of which you know I'm sure they they listen to the podcast. I'm confident. I, I think of it, I think so. the, one of the Castros does. Right, so I'm confident that my response will be noted, but also that I uh, you know am a am the vote here essentially. If I say yay. Then it's on the essential games. If I say nay, it's not. Here's here's the crazy twist in in the whole in the whole thing. I had a great time playing Guerrilla War. I really liked this game. Uh, without a doubt, I would recommend it uh, to my fellow NES uh, game players. However, I can't put it on the essential games list because. While this may be, and definitely is, I'm, I, even though I said maybe, I'm just going to say it right now, it is the best version uh, of a overhead run-and-gun game that we have, I still don't know if this kind of experience is is worth it to say, like, hey, you know, like, this is one of those games, you know, it's up there with Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, Mega Man, like, you Zelda definitely, two. you know, like, if if you've got, yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. I didn't <laughs> you say said, that. yeah. Um, <laughs> if you, um, you know, if you're playing those kinds of games, there's a, there's like a formative thing around them, a thing that says, like, you know, yeah, this is timeless, right? This is just the best that we have right now. I wouldn't say that anything I played from Guerrilla War was timeless or um, or worthy of playing today. It's definitely a game that is like, you know, leaps ahead of what we've played so far in this genre and is maybe the closest to the arcade we've ever gotten on an NES game, uh, which is another just like huge feat for it. So I'm kind of sad to not put this on the essential games list, but I have to think about what the what that list means to me. And I think if we're saying like, you know, hey, this game still holds up perfectly, you know, 30, 40 years later, it's like, mm, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I don't know if it holds up perfectly. Uh, and I know perfect is, like, subjective, and I'm not saying any game is perfect, but, like, I, don't, I just don't think it holds up as well as it probably played in 1989. 1989, this is one of the best games we've played so far this year, uh, no doubt. So that's where I stand on that. The Cuban government? I don't know. Who can say they have, uh, you know... Who can say they could? <laughs> Sean, you got me so nervous. I'm like, what am I gonna say? What's to say? Uh, yeah, they're they're legitimate. They're legitimate. Sure. Okay. Don't even do the outro. We'll just end the show. Yeah. We'll just end the show right there. Mike was later. Mike was killed following yeah. the episode by the FBI and the CIA. Um, <laughs> they did it together. It was a tandem operation. It was pretty crazy. But it was for Zelda too. It wasn't for the. That's the twist. That's the twist. Uh, no, you know, I think like people are going to have a stance on Guerrilla War. I'm sure there are a lot of people who uh, played it back then and would agree with some takes that, it, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it hasn't exactly held up. I'm sure there's other people who are like, this is one of my favorite games ever. And then I think, more surprisingly, we're going to run into a lot of people who are playing this game for either the first time, like us, or are revisiting the game because they revisit all these games with us and notice the improvement. There's no mistaking that Guerrilla War is a uh, noticeable improvement in that genre and just in what it means to be an arcade port 
uh, you know, as of right now. So it's it's an interesting thing. So I would love to hear from all of our listeners to write in and see what they think about the essential games list and whether they would put it on or not. I know you know you're gonna you're gonna go right to it, listeners. I I understand you're gonna say, well, X is on the essential games list. So how come Y isn't? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, each game is held up under different voting standards. That's just what it is. We make up the essential games list as we go. Uh, Joe, do you have any idea what you're gonna vote for the essential games list on any given fr- uh, Friday? No, I flip a coin. Yeah, there you go. It's all decided by luck. Joe confirmed to be Two Face. I uh, no, I actually you go to uh, Taboo, the NES game, and I ask uh, vote it. There it is. The funniest thing is Taboo rejecting itself on the essential <laughs> games list. It knows. It doesn't lie. Hey, Sean, if people wanted to see more nostalgia content, where would they go? Uh, they would follow us at NostalgiaCast on Twitter, uh, which I think is a website. That's correct. 